0: Beloved, would you please open your Bibles with me? We'll be starting in John chapter 10. The title of the lesson is How to Follow the Good Shepherd. Now, we have just completed in Bellevue Women a study on John chapters 1 through 15. And I was privileged to bring a message out of John chapter 10, where Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And beloved, as I read and studied that, I was drawn into Psalms. 23, And when Dana approached me and said that we would like to offer an extended time of study for our women because of the unusual circumstances we were in, while I was thrilled to do it, I knew immediately that God was taking me to Psalm 23 and was giving me out of the overflow of my study, beginning back there in John chapter 10, out of my study and meditation, I wanted to share with you what has become such a comfort and a hope and help in these troubled times. Oh, beloved, I pray that these words will settle and resonate in your heart as we study together. But would you look first with me in John chapter 10. John 10 and verse 11 says this, Jesus speaking, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Look with me in verse 27, another favorite passage of mine. My sheep Hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I will give eternal life to them and they will never perish and no one can snatch them out of my hand. Oh, beloved, beloved, I want to tell you that I am here today, a very simple woman with a very simple message, and that is Jesus is the good shepherd. We are the sheep of his pastor. And beloved, in these very unsettling days, I want to encourage you that our good shepherd is living leading the flock of God. He is tenderly, graciously ministering to us during these very uncertain and unsettled days. So using that as our springboard, I want to take you to Psalm 23, and I pray that what I share with you today will be comforting and will minister grace to your troubled soul. Jesus was the master storyteller, and he often seized upon everyday circumstances in order to explain the mysteries of the kingdom of God and this is no different when he declares I am the good shepherd now when David wrote Psalm 23 David himself was a shepherd but he identifies with the sheep and the shepherd that he is speaking of is the Lord Jesus Christ so would you look with me first in Psalm 23 verse 1 and this is what I call Christ our sovereign Psalm 23 verse 1 says this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now David lived among a people that had many, many gods. In Egypt they worshipped over 360 gods. The Canaanites had a myriad of gods and yet David is telling us specifically about the one and only Lord is our shepherd. He uses the word Jehovah. That is a word that is found often to refer to our God in the Old Testament. And it means the self-sustaining one, the great I am. And what David is saying is there is one true God, Jehovah. Jehovah is our shepherd and beloved. That's preeminence. There is only one way, the Bible says, for us to be reconciled to a holy God and it is through the Lord Jesus Christ, our great Jehovah. The Lord is my shepherd, David says. My shepherd, that's personal. Beyond religious activity and the pageantry of of religious tradition, David had a personal relationship with Jehovah a personal relationship. Beloved, what we are talking about is not religion. It's not ritual. It is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Jehovah is my shepherd. David was in a personal relationship with the Lord of glory. And he goes on to say, because of that, I shall not want, beloved. That's provision. Jesus provides everything that you and I need. He meets the deepest longing of our heart and soul. In fact, I have discovered as I have walked with the Lord for these 40 years that Jesus is my all in all. The scripture says, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desire of your heart. When you and I delight in the Lord, the deepest need of our heart and soul are met in Jesus Christ. He becomes our life, the desire of of our heart. Beloved, especially in these times of crisis, in these days of uncertainty, when we are self-quarantining, when we are in a global pandemic, Lord, please, please help me press upon the hearts of these beloved people watching now online. Please. It is my heart's desire that you would turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and that you would find in him your soul satisfaction. Christ is our sovereign. Not only is he our sovereign, beloved, he is our shepherd. If you look with me in chapter 2 all the way through verse, uh, excuse me, chapter 23 verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet water. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me your rod and your staff they comfort me you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies you've anointed my head with all my cup overflows beloved this is what i call christ our shepherd In preparation for this, and I mentioned this back during the study of John chapter 10, I read a book that has become very dear to me by Philip Keller, and it's called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. And I'll be sharing some of the insight that I gleaned from that sweet little book, as well as other resources as I prepared and studied for this message. But beloved, I want you to see, first of all, as we begin to unpack this, go back, if you will, with me to chapter 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Keller said that sheep have to be made to lie down and rest. They need to be uh, feeling like they are safe, that they are free from predators, that they are free from fear, that they are well fed, that parasites are not distracting them or aggravating them or bothering them. All that must be done before they will lay down and rest. Oh, beloved, you and I are so lost. Like that in that we need to be made to lay down and find our rest in Christ God desires that you and I find our all in all in Christ and that we learn how to trust him and to rest in him especially through very difficult days he makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet water Sheep lived in a very, uh, at least in uh, the Middle East, they lived in a very dry climate and they require quite a bit of water. And one of the ways they were able to uh, draw water was that they would rise up early in the morning. Keller said this and several other sources I looked at, said that sheep typically by their nature rise very early, often as early as 4 a.m. And they go out into the pasture land where the clover and the grasses are drenched with dew. And as they stand among those grasses, they are able to actually absorb fluid water, life-giving water through their limbs. They're very thin-skinned creatures evidently. And so they can get much of the water they need just because they are there early in the morning and the dew is hanging uh, on the grasses. And as they walk among it, that dew, is absorbed uh, um, through their limbs. And it's said that they often will feed until about 10 or 11 o'clock in the day. And that by that time, the sun would begin to get very high in the sky and it would be so warm that the sheep would then retreat to find some shade. They would lay down and rest and ruminate on the grasses and cud that they had eaten that morning. Oh, beloved, listen to me. The Lord knows how to take us to still quiet waters if we will avail ourselves to the study of his word. Beloved, if we will build in spiritual disciplines by going to the word of God and reading the word of God and absorbing the word of God and allowing the word of God by the spirit of God to renew our minds to wash us by the washing of the water of the word is what Ephesians 5 tells us. Oh, that we would during this time When God has given us so much more time than we typically have that we might learn to use it, beloved, to go beside those quiet waters and allow him to restore our souls that we might be made new in him. He makes us to lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside quiet waters. Beloved, that is peace, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. Oh, if we would simply appropriate the peace of God By studying the Word of God and allowing the Spirit of God to lift the truth of His Word and place it into our hearts, renewing our minds, encouraging us as we walk through these difficult days. Look in verse 3. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. In the old, um, in um, old English, there was a term for a sheep that had been turned on its back and it was called a cast down sheep. Now sheep often, after they had grazed early in the morning, would go to find a spot in the shade and they might lay down in a place that had a slight depression. And if the sheep began to move about to stretch or change positions, it would be possible that they would lose their sense of gravity, their center of gravity, and they would roll onto their back. It was very dangerous for a sheep to become cast down because of their woolly fleece. They would not be able to turn back and regain their footing. And so often the sheep, and it's very interesting, uh, uh, Philip Keller said that sheep, even when they're very afraid, remain silent. And so the sheep cast down with his feet up in the air would begin to frantically try to right himself and he most likely would not be able to do it. He would be a cast sheep. Now it was up to the shepherd, beloved, to watch out for cast sheep. Keller said that he often, when he had very large herds, he would watch for buzzards to begin to circle. And nearly always that would mean there was a cast sheep somewhere in his flock. A cast sheep could live, it said, if the temperatures were very cool for several days in that predicament. But if it was a very hot day, they could only survive for several hours. And so it was imperative for the shepherd to be watching over the flock. And again, I just wanna remind you that throughout Psalm 27, 23. We see that it was the shepherd's role to care for every need the sheep had. It is the sheep's role to stay close to the shepherd. I love Psalm 91. It's one of those psalms I go back to over and over again. But it begins by saying he who dwells in the shelter of the most high will abide in the shadow of the almighty. Beloved, you and I cannot be covered by someone's shadow unless we're standing very close. And I want to tell you and encourage you that your role is to stay close to the shepherd, so close that his shadow is cast over you. It will comfort you. It will bless you. It will encourage you. It will strengthen you, and it will help you maneuver through these days. The shepherd is looking for cast sheep. Now I believe during these times even for those of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ that many are suffering with anxiety with fear, it is rampant with isolation with depression and despair suddenly many people who have been in our workplace have been sent home to work from home which is a challenge all of its own and for you sweet mamas and daddies who have little ones you have suddenly been thrust into the role of the primary teacher of your children. How challenging is that? Furthermore, your children are being self-quarantined with you. So that means 24-7, everybody is in the household. And beloved, all of us are challenged by walking through what is unprecedented. We have never seen anything like this. No way we could have ever prepared for this pandemic emotionally, mentally, and even spiritually and so I encourage you today that you go to the Lord he will restore your soul if you are cast down today if you are weighed down by anxiety or worry if you're fearful if you're fretful oh how I pray you will turn to the good shepherd and allow him to restore your soul and minister to you He guides me in paths of righteousness, David said, for his name's sake. The shepherd would be very careful to move his flock from place to place so they would always have fresh pasture land to graze from. In fact, uh, uh, Keller said the greatest single safeguard that a shepherd had in handling his flock was to keep them on the move, moving them to areas where they could get fresh grass. Oh, how this applies to you and I as believers, that we would learn to yield ourselves to the good shepherd, that we would build strong spiritual disciplines into our life to regularly be in the word of God and to trust him to care for us, even as the shepherd that David spoke of would care for his flock. And he will lead us in paths of righteousness. For his name's sake, for the sake of the name. Now look in verse 4. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you're with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table. Excuse me, that's verse 5. I want to stop with verse 4. Let me do that again. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. The shepherd knew that from time to time he would need to move his flock up into the high places where they could get plenty of grazing land. But often he would have to take them through deep, dark valleys. The grade would be very gentle. There would be plenty of water for the sheep to uh, have and there would also be plenty of grass for them to graze on as he moved them. But he knew in order to take them higher, They must walk through these dark valleys and how that applies to you and I as believers. Beloved, all of us as believers will have seasons of struggle. All of us as believers will have seasons of suffering. All of us will. It's part of being a a living in a broken world. And yet you and I can trust our good shepherd to walk us through these valleys of the shadow of death. When the shepherd moved his sheep through the valleys, there were all often these high canyon walls that he would be moving his sheep through, and often predators would be hanging out up above, and they would be scoping out the flock, looking who they might pick off. And it was a time the shepherd had to be ever vigilant about his flock. And I just want to give you this image, this picture, that when you and I are walking through these dark days, when you and I are living in times of great uncertainty, when you and I are in this valley of the shadow of death, may I I encourage you that your good shepherd is ever near and ever vigilant. He is fighting the battle for you. He is aware of the predators, the anxiety that is coming, the, the fear. He's aware of all of that. In Isaiah, it says, like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. In his arms, he will gather his lambs and carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. Oh, beloved, that that is our good shepherd. That is our good shepherd who is walking us through the valley of the shadow of death. We don't have to be afraid because the good shepherd is with us. In about, I think it was 2005, Craig and I were invited to go to Nigeria on one of our very first mission trips to teach pastors and church leaders over there. I'll never forget, I was in a meeting one day and my cell phone rang. Craig knew I was in a meeting and it was unusual for him to call me, but when I saw his name, I was sure that it must be something important. So I slipped out of the meeting and I went to take the call. And he said, honey... You're not going to believe this, but we have an opportunity, an invitation to go to Nigeria to teach pastors. I just want to know, are you open to this? Are you in? And this was my response. I'm not proud of it. I'm just telling you, this is what I said. I've always wanted to go to Nigeria. I've always wanted to travel to South America. To which my husband replied, Nigeria is in Africa. Oh, I've always wanted to go to Africa, I said. And we began to pray and indeed God confirmed that we were to take that trip. I'd never traveled that far ever in my whole life and I was so excited for the opportunity and for the experience. We arrived in the city called Kaduna and we were picked up by our interpreter and he drove us to where we would be lodging and he took us to what was the home of the Anglican bishop there in Nigeria and that bishop had a compass And on the compound, he had several guest rooms that we would be renting. The compound was surrounded, his whole property was surrounded by a concrete wall that had razor-sharp wire on the top and even embedded glass on the top of a wall that was 14 feet high all around the compound. There was only one way into the compound, and it was heavy steel doors. And when we pulled up to those doors, our interpreter tapped his horn, and the guard, an armed guard on the other, other side of the gate slid open a little slot just big enough for his eyes, and he looked out, recognized our drivers, opened the doors, allowed us to drive through, and then quickly shut us in. They took us all the way back to the back of the compound, and there was just a very little modest guest room for Craig and I to stay in. But we were amazed with the privilege and opportunity to go to a place we have fallen in love with, Nigeria, to share there with pastors and teachers, and so uh, they dropped us off there, and I. I can remember that night that he and I pulled chairs out onto the little patio of our guest room and we just sat under the stars and just praised the Lord for the privilege and opportunity. Well, we went to bed that night, very jet lagged from a very long trip. And early in the morning, around three o'clock, as I recall, we both were awakened and uh, we both decided finally to get up. The jet lag had gotten the best of us. And so I went on to uh, take a shower and begin to get dressed for the day. My husband carries an electric razor with him when we travel and he uh, uh, shaved there in our bedroom. And he was going to open the door and step outside of our little room uh, to empty and to clean out the whiskers out of his razor. And I remember him telling me that when he opened the door and it was just as dark as it could be, he opened the door and as he stepped out, he stumbled over someone. Startled, my husband backed up into the room only to discover it was the guard. In order to protect Christ, Craig and I as visitors in their country. The guard had spent the night sleeping over the threshold of our room in order to protect us. Oh, beloved, that's the image of what Christ, the good shepherd, is doing. He is protecting us. He is guarding us. Even though we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, he is with us, leading us through that valley because he is the good shepherd. And not only that, it says, I fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. The shepherd in the Middle East carried two items with him as he uh, tended to his flock. The first was a rod. Now, that was just a slender branch that he had carved to fit his hand, and it would have a knob on the end, and he could use that knob and throw it with great accuracy, and he could either stun or kill a predator. So, his rod was his defensive weapon. He also carried a staff, and the staff conveys the message of comfort. The staff with its crook at the top was used by the shepherd. Perhaps when a, a mama had given a birth to a newborn and they had perhaps gotten uh, separated, he would lift the newborn with his staff and carry it to the mother to reunite them, or he might use his staff as he guided them along perhaps a new or a difficult path. He might use it to gently guide them along the path. Uh, Keller said also that uh, if one of the sheep had wandered too far into a precarious position, the shepherd could use the hook of his staff to capture the sheep and to bring him back to safety. And what David is saying is, I fear no evil. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Beloved, for us as believers, God has given us the word of God and the spirit of God. The word of God is our external control. The Spirit of God is our internal control. And as you and I begin to expose ourselves more and more into the Word of God, studying it, taking it in, as we're reading it and meditating on it, memorizing it, beloved, the Word of God begins to come alive to us through the power of the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is our comforter, according to John chapter 14. He is our comforter that God has sent to dwell within us. And so the Word of God is our external control, and the Spirit of God is our internal control. Oh, beloved, that is our rod and our staff. They comfort us. And as we expose ourselves more and more to the Word, then more and more the peace of God that reigns begins to reign in our heart and mind that is what I call protection we have God's protection even in these extremely difficult and scary days not only that verse 5 says he prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies he has anointed my head uh, with oil what a beautiful picture my cup overflows Now, Keller said David may have been speaking when he used the word table to the plateaus that he would move his sheep to. The shepherd would go ahead of the sheep and he would look over the plateau and prepare it, making sure there were no poisonous plants that the uh, sheep might possibly ingest, uh, looking for predators, making sure there was clean water supply and source. Or, beloved, it may be he was talking about a literal table. Throughout the scripture, we discover that coming to the table speaks of fellowship and communion. Beloved, God has created us for communion with him and for community with like-minded believers in the household of faith. That's what most of us are suffering from. I certainly am not being able to be with my people, my community, my faith, family, oh, how I have missed them to walk into the church today when it is virtually empty. Beloved, it is so unusual. For over 40 years, I've walked with the Lord and we have been uh, in, in church on Sunday morning, Sunday night and Wednesday night for many, many, many years. It is what has helped us to regain our spiritual equilibrium. It is what has anchored our weak, And to be without that, beloved, feels so strange to us. But God has created us that we might live in communion with him and in community with others. And we see it throughout the scripture in the Old Testament, in the tabernacle, the table of showbread literally means the bread of his presence. It speaks of fellowshipping with him. In the New Testament, many places, but certainly... Certainly one of them is the Last Supper when Jesus met there with his disciples. And he invites us, beloved, to come and dine. In these difficult days, he's setting a table before our enemies. What imagery that is for us. Beloved, I believe that when you and I walk through very difficult circumstances and we refuse to deny the faith, The Lord sets a table for us and invites us to come and fellowship with him. And as we gather at that table, even in the midst of very difficult days, if we continue to walk by faith and not sight, he sets a table for us and invites us to come and dine with him. And as we do, he prepares it in the presence of our enemies. And as we do, beloved... I believe that Satan and his minions, as they observe that even though we're walking in difficult days, we still run to the side of the good shepherd. We still continue to walk by faith. I believe it causes them to be dismayed and despair when they see that we have not fallen into the traps that they have uh, orchestrated for us. Even if I have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows, beloved, that, that is power. The power of Christ will keep us during these difficult days. How I pray that encourages your heart that we do not have to give in to fear and anxiety. We can fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and we can walk by faith even through these very difficult days. Well, the last thing I'd like to share with you, and what I will close with, is Christ our Savior. Look with me in verse 6. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord Forever, beloved, that's permanence, that's permanence. God has given us his grace, his mercy, his goodness, his loving kindness. And beloved, he has given us his spirit. He has given us his word. And that is what equips us and enables us to manage through these days here in this pilgrim's progress as we are strangers and aliens in a strange land, all the while looking for the unshakable kingdom whose architect is the Lord. Beloved, this is not our home. And while these are very dangerous and very confusing days, these are days when we believe God is on the move, drawing men and women and boys and girls to the saving knowledge of himself. The gospel is going out on social media and other platforms, perhaps more than it ever has before at any other time. And there seems to be, there seems to be the swelling of revival breaking out in our land, how we pray it to be so, that many during these days will come to the saving knowledge of Christ. And David tells us that in Christ, in Christ, we are covered by his goodness and his loving kindness. That gets us through life here. But ultimately, beloved, ultimately, one day, either through death or through the rapture of the church, we're gonna see Jesus face to face. And in that day, beloved, in that day, when we are made to be like him, In that day, we will be caught up into his presence forever and ever and we will spend all eternity with the Lord of glory and with his bride, the church. Beloved, please hear my heart. As we walk through this time, it is challenging. And I've got to tell you, my sanguine soul is missing my church family. I am missing being in Bible study with you and seeing you face to face. I thank you for joining me. And I've tried to, in my mind, imagine that this room is filled with your sweet faces. We are missing you here at Bellevue Women. We're missing gathering together at Bellevue Baptist Church to study God's word. How grateful I am for the media team and for all that is open to us to be able to share the word of God on this platform. But would you please hear my heart? Jesus is the good shepherd. He is the good shepherd. And if you belong to him, beloved, you can trust him You can rest in him. You can experience peace in the midst of trouble. You can know joy unspeakable. You can live by faith and not sight. You can live in the power of his word and by the presence of the spirit of God as you walk in his ways. May God bless you and comfort you and keep you in these days. I wanna close with this last scripture and then I'll pray. Now the God of peace who brought you up, excuse me, now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of his eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to him be the glory forever and ever, amen. Would you pray with me? Oh, Father, Father, I pray for every person who is watching this video now and who will possibly see it at a later date, that, Father, by your Holy Spirit, you will minister grace upon grace. Lord, I know that there are many who are sensing fear and anxiety, and, Lord, I come against it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I fear there are many who are falling into despair and depression. And Lord, I bring the blood of Jesus Christ against that right this moment. I pray that you will deliver them from every stronghold that is holding them and they will see themselves free in Jesus Christ. Your word says to roll all of our cares upon you because you care for us. And Father, you draw very near to the brokenhearted and for all of those who are struggling right now, Father, how I pray. That in this moment, Lord God, you will so minister your peace and presence to them that they will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are there with them. Speak to their hearts word of blessing and encouragement. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Lord, I pray for anyone who is hearing this message, who has never turned their hearts towards Jesus Christ and received you in repentance and faith. I pray today would be the day that they will see they're a sinner in need of a savior. They will repent of their sins and they will believe that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Receive him by faith. Father, I pray that every person that does not know you, that today will be the day of their salvation. They will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be everlastingly saved. Do your work, Father. Your word is promised that it does not return to you void. So I'm asking you to work a miracle in the hearts of any who are ready to receive you right now. And Father, in these days of great uncertainty, how I pray that those of us who are your people Will draw very near to the shepherd of our soul, that we will walk with you standing in your shadow, that we will go through these days, Father, walking in your peace and in your presence, which only you can provide. Father, until we're gathered together again, until we're able to see each other face to face, Father, I just pray For all my beloved sisters in the Lord Jesus, that you will minister hope and healing to them right now. Lord, we bless you and we praise you. We're so grateful that you are the good shepherd and that you're so attentive to every need that your sheep have. And Father, thank you today for the encouraging word out of Psalm 23. We bless you and we praise you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.